This is the Joe and Amber podcast. What the hell was that? What was that? What was that imaging? That wasn't fair coming off the top, James. What were you doing there? That I, I felt like that was really fair. No, no, it wasn't fair. That, you, that you was, talked about how that was great, not nice. You talked about how great Jokic was, and there was yeah, I noticed how great you, Jokic. Yeah, you edited that portion along with great Jokic moments. Then you edited the whole Jimmy Butler thing alongside not so great moments. Then you edited Joe talking about how great the Nuggets are going. I just don't. Didn't I need feel to edit like me. the editing Didn't need to edit me at all. You just go ahead and take me, and you just put that in stone. And we'll stick with history. Joe and Amber's presented by Progressive Insurance. Round out your protection with life, phone, and pet health insurance. Don't know why they would want to sponsor that sort of trash. I feel fine today, guys. Everything is fine. The Nuggets, they beat the Heat 104 to 93. Game one, the Heat had 72 hours to get ready for this game after going seven with Boston, altitude, yada, yada. Blah, blah, blah. It's fine. I, I feel fine. They If they had sunk, Joe, four of those open look triples, one of one. That's the difference. One of one. Just saying. That is one way to look at it, for sure. I don't think there should be any reason for panic if you're a Miami Heat fan, because the good news is you're probably a Florida Panthers fan, and they play game one of the Stanley Cup final <laughs> tomorrow. So you're going to have an opportunity to win a championship there as well. couple ways to slice it. On one hand... There are some glaring issues for the Miami Heat that we will get to throughout the course of the show. On the other hand, if we are going to skew positive for Miami here, I would start by saying, again, we talked about it on the show, ad nauseum, they were in a horrible situation. This is the stuff gamblers look for all the time. This is the reason it's a nine-point spread, and this is the reason professional bettors had no problem laying eight, eight and a half, nine points for that game. It was a fast turnaround. It was at elevation. Denver was well-rested. And we saw a lot of that last night. So they end up covering the spread. Now you would turn your attention to game two and the adjustments you'll have to make if you're Coach Spo. Here's the adjustments you have to make if you're Coach Spo. Get the ball into the hoop. Like, make sure it actually gets in in the hoop. Don't just throw it towards the hoop. Get it in the hoop. It's got to go through the net. Bada bing, bada boom, we beat the Denver Nuggets. Eric Spolster, he is the head coach of the Miami Heat. Here is him at his postgame presser. You know, it always kind of could look different, you know, if a few of these threes uh, go down at the right time, a few of the layups, you know, right at the rim or the short ones go, go down at the right time. That also can kind of uh, change your perspective or uh, tenor uh, of how you think things are going. Um, but we, we do need to do things uh, better. Um, I think that part is clear. Truly, Joe, I will take holding the Denver Nuggets to 104 points every day. I, I will take that every game. If we can hold them to 104 points when Jokic has a triple-double, but also only gets up 12 shots, like I will take, I will take the quiet Jokic triple-double. <laughs> that's, that's Jokic. Like, that wasn't even Jokic's best game by any means. That man has a triple-double in his sleep. That's just what he does. I was okay with that. I was okay with what the Heat, frankly, did to them defensively for me the problem was that the shots weren't falling because the shooters went ice cold and maybe some of that's the turnaround maybe some of that's the altitude maybe it just wasn't their night for guys like Caleb Martin and Max Struess but you had Jimmy Butler 
Mart, uh, Caleb Martin, Max Struess, and Duncan Robinson combined for only 19 points last night. That ain't happening again. Yeah, but that's the other half of the coin when you get to play teams like the Knicks and the Celtics who can't make any of their shots, and then you end up winning. Miami's been on the right side of this equation a bunch this postseason. Last night, they weren't. And when they're a one-dimensional team going up against a team that's got scoring options all over the floor, you're not going to be able to get away with these issues. This is not Boston that had trouble getting into their offensive sets. This isn't the New York Knicks who couldn't sh- knock down a shot to save their life. And it's not the Bucks who had Giannis get hurt. This is the Denver Nuggets. They can hurt you from everywhere. If I had told you before game one that the following five things would happen, nobody is going to think Denver's going to win that game in a route. Number one, Denver took 17 fewer shots than the Miami Heat. 17 fewer shots. Denver finished minus two in turnover differential. Miami shot more three-pointers and made more three-pointers, which is their bread and butter. Nikola Jokic attempted 12 shots, which is tied for the fewest he shot all postseason. And Bam Adebayo, who historically is terrible against Jokic, has a huge game going 26-13-5. If I told you all five of those things were happening before game one, you'd be sitting there as a Heat fan saying, this is going to be our series. And instead, you got blown out, down 24 and still lost by 11. So for as bad as Miami did look at times, Denver didn't have a great night and still won by double digits. Denver didn't have a great night, but a lot of those things you just mentioned was effective defense from Miami. A lot of those things that you just mentioned was what Miami was doing to Denver. And I guess that's what makes me feel good about it because Miami was getting wide open looks. So the difference was, yes, those things happened, but also all the shooters on Miami went cold. And if you can't hit a three when you're Caleb Martin or you're Max Struess or you're Duncan Robinson, then the Miami Heat don't have a shot. We know that. But a lot of those things you just mentioned. And also the Nuggets shooting 51%. Like there's a lot that they did that they may not be able to replicate. There are some tweaks. I joked that the only that the only adjustment Spo needs to make is to make sure that the ball goes in the hoop. We know there's going to be actual adjustments that he's going to make. Maybe they'll try to throw a little more size out there with Kevin Love. There may be things like that. The truth is, I felt like the BAM game coming against Jokic, the fact that BAM, and I get that Jokic was allowing him to shoot some of those jumpers and fine, shoot jumpers all day. I'm still not going to let you get to the rim. I get that. But at the same time, BAM had a great game. And that really encouraged me because that's been a problem in the past against this Denver team. It was everybody else who didn't have a great game, including Jimmy Butler. And the reason Jimmy Butler deserved the MVP trophy in the Eastern Conference Finals was because this team goes the way of Jimmy Butler, not Caleb Martin. Caleb Martin was good the entire ECF. Jimmy Butler was not great the entire ECF. And when he wasn't good, guess what? Boston won those games. Last night, he wasn't that great. It was just a pedestrian game from Jimmy. The Miami Heat lost. When he shows up to play, they get to capitalize on some of those other things that you mentioned. Problem is, as the playoffs have worn on, Butler's showing up less and less and it's because he's playing banged up and he's starting to run out of gas. That's what happens when the team relies on you that much. At the same time, missing all those threes, that's not that surprising for Miami. They ranked, what is it, 27th in the NBA in three-point shooting this season. They're just running hot in the playoffs. At some point, the bottom's falling out, and when you need to beat Denver four times in seven games to win the NBA Finals, 
you can't have the bottom fall out four or more times in those seven games. And I think that's what Denver's counting on. They're looking at the math saying this team has performed well above expectation right up until now. The bottom's fallen out at some point. There's a reason Caleb Martin didn't cost a whole lot of money. And now we're seeing that in game one. And they're hoping for it to happen again in game two this weekend. Miami took 39 threes last night, made 13 of them. The Denver Nuggets took 27 threes last night, only made eight of them. So even on a bad shooting night for Miami, they were still far superior in that category. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, we what we're watching, the best are we watching? This is a ridiculous, absurd question that's going to anger me, but James put it on my screen nonetheless because he wants us to talk about it now. Are we watching the best duo in the NBA in game one? It's crazy that you're calling Jimmy and Bam the best duo in the NBA, James. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. One game in this series, everyone's acting like the Denver Nuggets have already won an NBA title. They got to win three more, everyone. Also, everyone's acting like Jamal Murray is the best player on planet Earth alongside, of course, Jokic. We will get into that in just a moment. But first, Joe's got some advice. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. First, the accounting one and one on Wednesday show down two tenths of a unit. Overall, 131 
124 and 1 plus 9.35 units. We do still have three bets pending that are futures bets relating to both golf and the NBA. We'll keep you updated on those. First one for tonight, we'll go to game two of the NBA Finals, and we'll go over 27.5 points for Nikola Jokic. Jokic just dropped 27 points in a game where he only took 12 shots, tied for his fewest of the entire postseason. Now imagine for a second if he takes, oh, I don't know, 17 shots, something he had done 12 consecutive times prior to game one. How many points does he score then? I think Miami is going to have a better shooting night in game two. I think they're going to score more in game two. I think it's going to be a little bit more competitive in game two. And as a result, Jokic is going to have to get more involved offensively, especially at the end in game two. Pizza money number one, Nikola Jokic over 27 and a half points. You never heard the word sweep coming out of my mouth with Miami. This now one I you're think is different. Sweep. Yes, I'm saying I'm holding a broom in my hand today. The first ever NBA Finals game for the Denver Nuggets is a win. And the Nuggets take game one. I mean, those guys on the morning show. I got a bone to pick with them, but that's for another time. Joe Neighbors present. I'll step in for you. Did he say that today or did he say that before the start of the series? I think he actually said that before the start of the series, but then he doubled, tripled, quadrupled down today. The only person who's giving the Heat any chance at winning anything, including a game, is Max. Keyshawn and Jay Will both very much think that this is going to be a sweep. This is going to be a wrap. So do a whole lot of people, a lot of reaction. Off of game one, Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Tune in for game two of the NBA final Sunday night because they haven't actually in Denver won the NBA title yet. Little known fact, they still have to play more games. Game two is Sunday night presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 730 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM channel 80. So in terms of overreaction Friday... One of the other overreactions that I think that we're getting from League Talk is now that Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray are the best duo in the NBA. Now, obviously, Jokic, we know already an all-time great, a phenomenal player. You mentioned the stats that he put up last night. Jamal Murray last night. 26 points, 10 of 6, 6 boards. He was highly disruptive and highly effective for the Denver Nuggets. But is it insulting to guys like, you know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis or Kevin Durant and Devin Booker or any of those where both of the players are all-time greats? Is it insulting to some of these other duos, Joe, that we're having this conversation now with Jamal Murray? Well, how much history comes into play here? Are we using, like, everyone's career? Are we kind of talking about right now, how everyone is this year? I don't know. So, Well, obviously, if we're talking about right now, then the conversation is either Bam or Jimmy and Jokic or Jamal Murray. And even as a Heat fan, I'm like, all right. But. No, like, present day, last year or two. Because if we're going to count everything LeBron did a decade ago, then, yeah, it's a LeBron and AD and there's no conversation. If we're talking about current duos using recent stuff, not just one week or two weeks of data, but the last season or two. If we can do that, then yeah, I think it gets a little bit more compelling. It gets a little bit more compelling. I mean, we don't need to go back a couple seasons with Jamal Murray because he wasn't healthy. My issue with this with Jamal Murray, James said to me before the show, you I hate take Jamal it you're Murray. saying no, these two are not the best duo in the NBA. I'm saying no, these are okay. not the best gotcha. duo 
in the NBA. I mean, let's give a Kevin Durant and Devin Booker a little bit more time to gel. I have a hard time having this conversation with some of these other names that are in the league. And yes, I get like Steph and Draymond or Steph and Clay aren't the duo that maybe they once were. We're having a conversation about LeBron when he's 38 years old, but let's not forget some of the stats that LeBron was still putting up this season. And then Anthony Davis when he's actually healthy. Anthony Davis when he's healthy is a better player than Jamal Murray, right? I mean, it, it, like, and goodness, don't make me defend AD because I am so not an well, AD. I'm not going to ask you to defend him. I am going to point out the fact that the guy goes missing in action quite a bit. Like, Understood. they've needed some really big performances from him. And if you eliminate the injury stuff, which you have to take into account when you're evaluating players like this and you're having conversations like this, there were a lot of times when they needed him in the playoffs and he was MIA. I mean, he got worked by Jokic in the previous round. Worked. They got swept 4-0 by these guys. I think when you break this argument down, the case for Denver is that they have the best player on the planet in their duo, right? There's no one better than Jokic right now, and the world's finally think, coming around on that. I think Giannis is in the conversation. I think I would probably put Jokic at the top of the NBA right now. Sure. But I don't know if that's entirely fair to Giannis, who was injured in the postseason. Okay, then who's the second half of Giannis's duo that would be better than Chris Nets? Middleton, right? And Chris Middleton, yeah, again, recent. Hurt a lot too. Well, back when they won a championship, he was certainly there in the conversation, kind of like what Jamal Murray is not going to end up doing um, this season. I mean, don't forget, they have a title, you know, and Jokic and Murray haven't done a damn thing yet. <laughs> Middleton averaged 15, 4, and 4 this season. I mean, he's good. This I don't want to take away from him, but when you're talking best duos in the NBA, for as great as Giannis is, Middleton played 33 games this year. He hasn't averaged over 20 points in, I guess, five seasons. Now, he's a good defender, but, but Murray's Murray, a regular beast. season Murray, no, regular season Murray is not postseason Murray. He's one of these players that has, he's good, and he was good this season. Don't get me, obviously, the Nuggets were phenomenal this season. They were the one seed, but also he's been much better in the postseason than even he was in the season. And then the other thing with Murray, it, it, like in James, when he asked me, like, what is your thing against Jamal Murray? I'm like, I actually don't have a problem with Jamal Murray. I just feel like what happened with the Nuggets was when he was injured for so long that everyone was acting like Jokic and the Nuggets were underperforming and it was like well he is missing his next two best players but okay it was like nobody wanted to talk about that they were acting like the back-to-back end MVP was underperforming getting knocked out of the postseason every year now all of a sudden Jamal Murray's back and everyone's acting like he's Michael Jordan and I feel like it can't be both like if he didn't matter that he was gone and then also he can't be the greatest player you've ever seen when he's back right I mean it it, it seems like a very well, who's shifting acting narrative. like he's Jordan I, I've been letting this go for a while there's a lot of hyperbole getting thrown around and I've been letting it slide uh, you and it's got to, to a Keyshawn point where there's got to be some pushback here Mur- Murray's benefiting in a huge way okay here's the question you would ask if you would want to knock down the Denver duo on behalf of Murray in terms of best duos in the NBA. How many players could you put in Murray's spot and get similar or better production than what he's doing? And the thing is, you could probably put Devin Booker there and get this as well, as well as some other guys. Jokic is so incredible with how easy he makes it for everybody else. You're seeing this with Miami right now. They can't defend him and he can score. But if they want to throw a second guy at him, the second that guy comes in the trap, Jokic immediately finds the open shooter, fires a 
perfect pass right to his chest so that he can get off the shot. Murray benefits greatly from having him on the court, just like Clay benefited greatly from Steph Curry. So when we're talking duos, these guys are near the top because Murray is taking advantage of the situation. Duran and Booker, I think that's the case study you want to put up against these guys. I mean, they all benefit greatly from each other. The Durant and Booker thing we haven't really seen because we haven't gotten to see them long enough. And we haven't gotten to see them really gel together. Individually, I would say those guys individually are a better player. Same with LeBron and AD. I could make that argument individually, right? Obviously, all of these great players, whoever is playing alongside of them, is going to be somewhat lifted up by their presence. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber. More on if Jokic and Murray are the best duo in the NBA. I cannot wait. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. I feel okay. I feel okay. I know people think I'm supposed to be panicking along with the rest of Heat Nation. I feel okay after the Nuggets took game one. 104 to 93. All is well that ends well, and it hasn't ended yet. We will get more into that game, and if it's reasonable that I feel okay in just moments. But first, Joe's got some more pizza money for you. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. We're going to go over the total of 215 points between the Nuggets and the Heat. Game one went way, way under, way under. So as a result, the bookmakers have overcorrected the total for game two, in my opinion, right? So game one total closes around 219. We see 48 minutes of action, and they adjust this to 215. That's four points south, which I see value in because, let's face it, Miami only took two free throw attempts in game one. That's an NBA record. That's not happening again, so there's going to be more scoring there. Denver shoots 29% from three-point range, second-worst performance of 16 playoff games. Miami shoots 40% from the floor, fourth-worst performance of 19 playoff games. I see both teams shooting better. I see the Heat getting more free throw opportunities. I see game two going over 215 points. First ever NBA Finals game for the Denver Nuggets is a win. And the Nuggets take game one. You don't expect it to be easy when you get to this final round. This is a great challenge. It's going to require more. We'll get to work and you know, see what we can do better.
Let's bring in some help with the conversation about game one. ESPN NBA analyst Tim Legler joining us here on Joe and Amber. And Legs, thanks so much for joining us. Is it weird? I assume you probably just heard me say that as a Heat fan, I feel okay today. Is it weird that I feel okay today? No, I don't. I think it's justified. I, honestly, I'm, first of all, Denver's sitting there waiting on it for nine days. You know, seven-game series of Boston. That alone, just taking that out of you, and then you've immediately got to fly, you know, two-thirds of the way across the country to get ready to play the best offense in the NBA right now. So that alone, you kind of felt like the Heat, you know, right off the bat, we're going to be behind 0-1. Having said that, the way that it played out, I know Denver had big leads in this game, but as I'm watching it and I'm taking notes, I just kept remarking on what the quality of shots that Miami was getting. I felt like they were getting clean looks. Now, look, their shooters couldn't throw in the ocean. Struess and Robinson and Caleb Martin collectively just you know could not make a shot to take any pressure off of, of Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. But the looks were there. So if I'm Eric Spolster and I go in the next day, you know, Monday or Friday, I look at that film, I'm pretty encouraged that we actually got pretty good looks. You know they're going to shoot better in game two. And that's got to be something, at least, that you can hang your hat on. Now, as far as Denver goes, though, the one thing I will say about that, a caveat to that is they also can be much better offensively. I didn't think they were particularly good in the beginning of the third or fourth quarters, or they probably go for 115-120 in that game. So, you know, good news is he can play way better. The bad news is Denver can also play better. Legs, sitting on the couch, beer in hand, four-year-old hit me in the nether regions nonstop. I don't have the same view of the game that you do, but it looks like Denver is so much taller all the way across the board out yeah. there. Is there anything yeah. Spo can do to counteract that? Because Aaron Gordon was a beast early in that game. No, I mean, the one thing you could do, you want to get some more size, you could play Kevin Love more minutes. So Kevin Love is going to get attacked uh, badly on the defensive end of the floor. It, it, so it's a trade-off, though, and, and he can also make shots, and he's got a lot of finals experience. So, you know, I don't know if Struess was tight, if Caleb Martin was a little bit tight, you know, Duncan Robinson. These guys have been through it a little bit. Caleb Martin, not as much. But the other two guys, they've been through it a little bit. So, you know, you'd be surprised if that was about nerves. But one thing about Kevin Love, he's not going to have a nerve problem. He's been in this stage before. He's going to give you more size. He's a very good defensive rebounder. He's just very slow of foot. This stage of his career, he will be attacked. Whoever he's guarding will be immediately put into pick and roll. So it's a trade-off, but it's something I think that, that Eric Spolster is going to have to look at because you're right. The length of Jokic, Porter Jr., and Aaron Gordon, like especially, those three guys, they were swallowing up Miami's wings on any sort of drive to the rim. and It was, it was pretty stark to look at the beginning of that game in particular, the way Aaron Gordon just threw guys around and had his way offensively to start that game. I don't think Eric Spolcher anticipated that. NBA analyst Tim Legler joining us here on Joe and Amber. Martin and Struess were combined one for 17 from the field. You would think when your shooters are ice cold that another shooter could help things. They might get one for the Miami Heat in Tyler Hero. But Legs, can you expect a Tyler Hero to come into this thing after not playing basketball for so long and play at the speed of an NBA finals level? Yeah, it's an awful lot, right? I mean, it's this long a layoff and to be thrown into the fire of that stage. But here's the thing. I mean, he really is their second most complete offensive player. So you're talking about a guy who's, who's got a handle so he can escape. He can get his own shot. He can run ball screen. He's got very deep range. 
he's, he'd be a wild card. It would be a lot to ask, and I think everybody would, would you know, cut him some slack if he did start to play in this series at some point and struggle to make shots. No one's going to be surprised by that. But on the other hand, you just never know. He could feel it, and if he gets into a groove, you know, he could be back quicker than you think in terms of finding his rhythm. It, it's, it's really the unknown. I mean, I've seen guys come back after these long layoffs and play great initially. I've seen guys take a month to find their rhythm. So there's no one way to predict how that would go, but based on the offense you're going to need to generate in this series to have a chance night in and night out against this offense for Denver, it's, it's certainly something Eric Post is going to be looking hard at. Amber and I were debating this earlier. We wanted to get your thoughts. In terms of Jokic and Murray, best NBA duos right now, where would you rank those guys? I think I'd put them number one right now. I, I, I really would. And that, it, it's not, you know, that's not like a, a hyperbole or a prisoner of the moment at all. That's based on what you're watching all year and based on the fact that a lot of the duos in this league that we have such regard for, they were hurt most of the year, right? Guys spend so much time hurt or you know, some of these duos were put together late in the year, like a KD and a Booker, for instance. They just need more time together to gel. These two guys have incredible chemistry. Jokic, right now, it can declare he is the best player in the NBA. So, it, you know, it was like nobody wanted to give him that exact title. It was, ah, oh, guys won a couple MVPs, but I'll still take this guy or I'll still take this guy. Right now, you can't argue this is the best player in the league. He, he controls the game in more ways than anybody else. He has no weaknesses offensively whatsoever. He's got a great IQ for the game. He's proven that he's a clutch player. And then you got Jamal Murray, who now is this guy that on any given you know, quarter or any half can just explode and go for you know, a 20-point half or a 30-point half he's even had. I just think that they check every box, and the final component of it is they play so well together because of the experience that they have together. They read each other so well on the court. It's, it's really seamless watching them play offensively. So I think, I think that's your number one duo right there. I think we all agree at this point that Jokic seems like the best player in the NBA. Maybe a little unfair to Giannis uh, hurt in this postseason, but that's how the shifting narrative ends up going. He's phenomenal either way. But Legs, I didn't feel like he really had that amazing of a game last night. And considering he had a triple-double, that's obviously saying something, but he can get one of those in his, in his sleep. 12 shots, 27 points off 12 shots, but it wasn't like the 40-point performance that we sometimes see from him. Is he going to have to be more aggressive offensively, do you think, moving forward? That's the thing about Jokic is so great. He, he reads the situation. You know, last night, think about this. You Think about this. guy's a two-time MVP. Everybody's saying he needs to validate it with a championship. He comes into his first finals. He doesn't take his first shot until there's three seconds left in the first quarter. I mean, how many star players do you know that are not going to get up several shots in the first six minutes of that game, right? That's just to feel the ball, to get yourself going a little bit, to kind of make a statement, I'm here tonight. He doesn't worry about that. I'm going to take what, you, what they give me. They were still up nine points at the end of the quarter, and that's the great thing about him. Now, if he gets in, in game two, if they decide they're going to play him more single coverage and they're going to try to take away his, his ability to facilitate by face guarding guys and denying guys the ball and letting him operate, okay, but maybe he takes 25 or 30 shots. And if you go back to the Phoenix series, he took 30 shots in two games in that series. We'll say, well, okay, that was the strategy. Let's, let's let him score, force him to score, take away the facilitating. How did those games work out for Phoenix? Well, in those two games, he took 30 shots in each. He scored 92 points in those two games, and he still got to double-digit assists in one of those games. 
So that's how great this guy is. There's no answer. He can beat you inside, outside, back to the basket, facing up. He beats you with screening. He beats you with dribble handoffs. He obviously could beat you just picking you apart with cutters and passing the ball to the post. There's no set way to play him, and there's no set way that he is going to anticipate playing. He's going to, he's going to read the defense, take what's there. If the situation requires him to be more aggressive in the paint and get up 12, 15 shots in the first half in game two, he's going to do that. Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst. Thanks so much for your time, Legs. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, we do something other than talk about, oh, I'm just kidding. All we're going to talk about is this <laughs> series because this is all that matters. That's plenty more to get to in this one and beyond. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. It is time now on Joe and Amber to sound on, sound off. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. John Moran has had a tumultuous few months and was recently suspended by the Grizzlies after he waved what looked like a gun during an Instagram live video. Up until yesterday, the league had been relatively quiet on disciplinary decision involving John Morant, but NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, he had this to say about the league's plans for the Memphis guard going forward. In terms of the timing, we've uncovered a fair amount of additional information. I think since I was still asked about the situation, I would say we probably could have brought it to a head now, but we made the decision, and I, and I believe the Players Association agrees with us, that it would be unfair to these players and these teams in the middle of the series to announce the results of that investigation. So instead of taking away from the NBA Finals, we're just going to announce very cryptically that an announcement will be coming, and then none of us will notice. Because <laughs> we'll all be so involved in the NBA Finals. James Steele. Producer extraordinaire. Yeah, so uh, Silver added that an announcement would, about the punishment would be made sometime shortly after the finals. Joe, this sounded kind of ominous from the commissioner. What do you think it means for Ja? I think it's terrible news for Ja. To, to piggyback a little bit off what Amber was saying, there's two ways to go about breaking a story, announcing news, right? Number one is slip it in Friday, 5 p.m., holiday weekend when no one will notice it when no one will care about it, when it'll make its way through the news cycle and there will be bigger outrage by the time we get to the weekend morning. Like, that's what you could have done. Silver took the radio TV route where he actually teased ahead to let you know what was coming up on the show. Like, that's (laughs) what we do in this business. It's like, go out there and tease your guests, tease your segments, tease, tease, tease to hold the listeners so they stick around. And we love you all for sticking around. It's done on TV as well. Silver's literally teasing this announcement, and he's not going to tease it to say, eh, we're going to give him another shot, two-game suspension. I think something big's coming. 
It's it's like we don't want to distract you by the actual suspension or disciplinary action, I guess would be the proper term here because we don't know if it'll be a suspension, but we don't want to distract you by the disciplinary action. Instead, we're going to distract you by teasing the disciplinary action in two weeks from now. And it's left us all guessing and all wondering and all of the conclusions that everyone's jumping to is this means very bad news for John Morant. And whatever the disciplinary action is, is apparently reportedly something that the NBA and the NBA PA have already agreed on. And you heard him say, Adam Silver, that they uncovered more stuff. So it leads us all to believe that it's more than just what we know. It feels very, very bad for John Moran, whatever is coming down the pipe. But again, we don't actually know what's coming down the pipe because he's just teasing that we will know in a couple weeks when the Heat win the championship in seven. One more NBA coaching vacancy has been filled. According to Woj, the Suns are set to hire Frank Vogel. Vogel, who led the Lakers to the bubble title in 2020, will hope to do the same for the Kevin Durant, Devin Booker-led squad next season. Here's our Tim Bontemps on what the Suns and KD are getting in their new head coach. It means that the Suns got a really good coach, Max, a guy who won a championship in the bubble, as we're seeing here with the Lakers in 2020, a guy who knows how to construct a great defense, and it means that the Suns still need a lot of players, because as we saw in that second round series against the eventual NBA champion Denver Nuggets, sorry for your prediction on that, uh, the the Suns did not have the talent to win that series, and Monty Williams is a really good coach, Frank Vogel is a really good coach, but at the end of the day, the Suns need more players to win, and we'll see what players they can get this summer. All right, so that's what the Vogel hire means for Katie and Booker in Phoenix. So now the Suns have their guy. The Pistons have their guy, Monty Williams. The Rockets have their guy, Ime Udoka. The Bucks have Adrian Griffin. And the Sixers have uh, Nick Nurse. So which team that was in need of a new head coach, Amber, got it the most right this offseason? I actually think of those coaches you named that I feel the best about Nick Nurse. Now, I don't know if Nick Nurse is going to be able to to get what he needs out of that 76ers team because I don't even know if James Harden is going to be on that 76ers team or if he's going to have to try to fill that hole to get Joel Embiid over the hump from not just winning an MVP but winning an actual title or even just maybe an Eastern Conference title on his way to one day winning an actual title. I think he's a great coach though, Joe, so I feel okay about that hire. I don't know all of this. I mean, this isn't maybe a completely fair conversation like, How's Griffin going to do in Milwaukee? I don't know. I don't know if I am have the proper analysis there. But of the bigger name coaches that I've seen be head coaches before, Nick Nurse has actually impressed me the most. Udoka in Houston. That's a great situation for everybody involved. Houston is not going to get a great coach because they're a dysfunctional franchise. But they can get a great coach if he comes with baggage. Enter Ima Udoka. Now, Udoka is not going to get a high-level NBA coaching job because he's coming off scandal, but he can get a coaching job if it turns out to be a team that's hard on its luck. Enter the Houston Rockets. Perfect situation for both. Udoka's back in the league as a coach. The Rockets get somebody legitimate. Houston's biggest problem isn't necessarily talent. They do need help there. They have a miserable culture right now absolutely miserable. Windhorse was talking about the former head coach basically being moved to tears because he couldn't get his message across to the young guys on this team. That's how dysfunctional it is. Udoka's coming in. He was in the finals. I think he's going to clean up the culture. He's going to install some leadership, and Houston's going to start moving in the right direction.
Ever since it was announced that Tom Brady was set to become a minority owner of the Las Vegas Raiders, it's had people wondering if at some point he'd also become the starting quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders. But the seven-time Super Bowl MVP shut down any of those rumors in a discussion with Jeremy Schapp. I was very fortunate to play 23 incredible NFL seasons. So I think there's always a time to move on to other things and other opportunities. And uh, I think for all the NFL players out there that are preparing for the season, I know how much of a grind it is. I know the level of commitment it is, and it's really a year-round process. So if I was going to play football this year, I'd be working entirely different than the way I'm now. Right now, I'm catching up on some other priorities, which are much needed. And uh, I'm really looking forward to not getting hit anymore (laughs) and transitioning to other areas of interest. So uh, I got some fun things on the horizon. He wasn't getting hit anyways. Stop it, Tom. They changed the entire rules in the NFL for you to make sure you didn't get hit. All right. So, Joe, uh, can we finally and officially shut the door on Tom Brady's playing career? No, you can't. Unfortunately, you can't. You'd love to, but you have no idea how this is going to play out. He's a partial owner now of the Las Vegas Raiders. Garoppolo's got this foot situation. You never know with Brady. Brady's shown us before you never know. So I'm I'm not going to sit here and say it's 50-50. I'm not going to say I'm betting that he comes back. But I would say if you were going to say 100% he's out, I think that would be a mistake. Leave yourself some leeway. Maybe it's 98% retired, but we know this guy. We've seen it before. I am so with Joe on this one. There is absolutely no way that you can ever fully feel confident that Tom Brady's going to shut the door. In fact... This plan he's executing in Las Vegas is the exact same plan that he was reportedly executing in Miami, that Miami ends up losing a draft pick over where he was going to be an owner, a minority owner slash quarterback for the team. And he was orchestrating it all when he was with the Bucks and it ends up getting the Dolphins in big time trouble. Now he's doing it with the Raiders. So it feels like there's a portion of that plan still missing. I don't think he's going to be starting for the Raiders week one by any means, but maybe like Joe said, it's when Jimmy Garoppolo gets injured. Maybe it's next season after he takes a little time off to hang out with his kids and rest his 45 year old body, whatever it is. I will not shut the door on Tom Brady playing football until that man passes 60 years old. Maybe then, maybe I will feel confident he's never actually coming. Joe and Amber, the podcast.